these episodes I interview somebody, but today I thought I would just speak to you one-on-one, and I'd like to talk about podcasting, my favorite subject. No, I I love podcasting, don't get me wrong, but uh, I really enjoy writing more. But I wanted to explain a little bit about why I started getting into podcasting and how it can benefit you. I've found it tremendously beneficial. I can add probably another eight hours to my week in terms of the information I absorb just from listening to podcasts. First of all, what is podcasting? It is simply audio content online that you can put into your MP3 player. A common misconception that a lot of people have is that you have to have an iPod in order to listen to podcasts. Not really the case. Podcasting just sort of took off on the with the term um, iPod. Pod stands for personal on demand, uh, apparently. And almost any MP3 player um, can can play podcasts because most podcasts are in an MP3 format. So, for example, I use iRiver, which is uh, another brand of a, a pod, uh, another brand of an MP3 player that's a little less expensive, and it's I think it works pretty well for me. At any rate. The audio content should be suitable to take with you when you're not at your computer, usually. When you're out and about, when you're exercising at the gym, or if you're driving in your car, or if you're doing some humdrum tasks that you can listen to to the radio, well, put on some headphones and, and you can listen to a podcast. So essentially a podcast is something that you listen to while you're doing something else. Dave Weiner explains the origin of podcasting with an interesting comparison. He says if you take the philosophy of the web and apply it to reporting and publishing, you get a blog, web blog. And when you take the same philosophy and apply it to radio, you get podcasting. So writing, reporting translates into a blog. Radio, broadcasting, journalism kind of turns into podcasting on the web. Now. Although podcasting can be compared to radio, and in essence it's kind of like a mini radio show online, there really are some major differences between podcasting and radio. The first and foremost is that with podcasts, you can focus on niche topics. So on radio, you're, you're really limited to general interest sorts of things, usually politics, um, health, religion because you have to tap into a, a wide enough audience to make your show worthwhile. You have to have a number of listeners within your radio reception area. But with podcasting, you can tap into a global audience. You can focus on on a very limited subject and you can still get a large audience because you're not limited to your geographic region wherever your radio signals are, are being sent out. You can expand that. So for example, WordPress is, has a podcast called the WordPress Podcast. And this is a podcast all about WordPress, which is a blogging platform. Now, there there aren't many WordPress users in my community, I don't think. Probably maybe 15, 20 max. And the chances that I'm going to flip on the radio and suddenly find a station all about WordPress is, is really, really unlikely. But it has a, a weekly podcast online that has almost a thousand subscribers, at least or more because it's a super popular blogging platform and all over the world people are using it and so there's naturally a, a topic um, 
for a podcast that creates a lot of interest. Another sort of niche podcast topic is Photoshop TV. Now this has one to two million downloads a month um, because a lot of people use Photoshop. And now it's a video cast, so there's video content. It's not quite as portable, in my opinion, as straight audio. But there are lots of podcast topics that focus on a really small sort of uh, user group and and they're amazingly popular. They're podcasts on podcasting, of course, and, and they have a lot of downloads. Um, now there's a podcast on technical writing, but you'd never you'd never think that a radio show would be able to dedicate a, con- a constant hour towards technical writing. It's just not something that would appeal to a lot of people. And heck, it may not even appeal to a lot of technical writers. Maybe you have a 9-to-5 job and that's where you end it. But if you're into technical writing and you want to learn more about it, uh, this is a great way. Another feature of podcasts are that you have larger audiences. If you have a live event, you're really limited to the people who are physically present. And if you have a, a conference and you give a speech and there are 100 people there, well, then 100 people hear your your topic and then they they leave and and that's pretty much where it ends. But if you podcast it, record it, Doug K of IT Conversations says that the number of people that you reach increases by about two orders of magnitude. So, for example, he recently held a podcast academy conference in Boston, and only 160 people attended. But he said he wasn't worried about that because the total number of people he would reach would be 16,000. That's two orders of magnitude greater. So if you think about that, podcasting can not only tap into a huge audience, but it's it's there permanently. People can find it years from now. It may be a, a bit dated, but people can find it within two, three years. It probably won't be as dated. <coughs> and they can benefit just as if they were listening to it uh, for the first time. We've started to record some of our chapter presenters, Ian Koss, Janet Foley, were kind enough to let us record them. And even though at at our meetings we we usually don't have more than 30 or 40 people, we, I know that a lot more than 30 or 40 people have downloaded their presentations. I imagine that probably close to at least 150 have downloaded the Ian Koss presentation on writing for the web, and, and a lot have looked into Janet Foley's as well. Now, whether they listen to the whole thing or not, I don't know, but but people are downloading them, and they're a lot more than the people who are actually attending the meetings. Another feature of podcasting is that it really allows you to connect to your readers with a one-on-one kind of connection. Paul Culligan is a pretty well-known podcaster, and he says the following. If you take my show and you put it on your iPod and you go to the gym and you plug those earpieces into your ear or put on your headset, you've invited me into your mind for 20 minutes. That's a place of respect. That's a place of honor. And if I can't make a connection during that 20-minute exchange, I don't deserve to have you listening to me. He says that podcasting is really unlike a lot of other mediums in its ability to really create this one-on-one focus with with the listener. On TV, people flip through the channels, a commercial comes on, there's all kinds of competing voices as you surf the, the TV. With radio, you get lots of 
commercials that are always breaking up the show. You have ads, announcements, things like that. With web, you have tons of links. People can click banner ads at Blink. Um, with email, you get tons of spam that are mixed in with your important messages. But with podcasting, a person puts on the earphones and then it's a one-to-one sort of relationship. Of course, now your podcast could be full of ads. It could be full of all kinds of other things. But by and large, it, it, it allows you to connect more. And of course, the personality of the podcaster is what can also create that connection. If, if you hear somebody, it is different than if you're reading them. Just like you probably wouldn't pay to go to a completely online college unless you really had to. You want to attend and meet the professors in person to hear them speak, to be really close to them. Podcasting allows you to do that. You get to be close to the actual presenter, the person's voice. Another feature of podcasting is the sense of realness. And this sort of comes along today with the emphasis on authenticity, the move away from the corporate voice. If you've read or heard of Robert Scoble's Naked Conversations or another book called The Clue Train Manifesto, you know that this corporate voice, the polished professional voice that never has any flaws or imperfections is something that's dying out. A lot of people really want something that's real. They want to feel as if the person is human. Dave Weiner says, that a lot of the 20th century moved us towards a centralized model of information and and now we've moved away from that. He says, quote, we want to hear a few flaws because it helps us understand that it was real people that did this and that there are real thoughts, feelings, passions, fears, anger, and all the human things. We're hearing something that is real, not something that has been focus grouped and beta tested to death to the point where it has no life. And if you if you see the prevalence of all the reality shows, you know that people really are focused on, on realness. So you don't have to be a, quote, broadcaster to be a podcaster. That's a catchy phrase that I hear every once in a while. By broadcaster, you imagine the radio professional that has a perfect radio voice, is able to stimulate conversation, minds, doesn't make any errors. Now you can be yourself. You don't have to have a studio set up. You don't have to have $600 microphones and mixers and all kinds of audio equipment. You can get started literally for free. Well, almost for free. You do need a computer, but for very basic equipment, you can get started. Audacity is a reco- an audio editing recording program. You can record your audio, you can edit it, you can export it to MP3. It's totally open source. You download it and install it and you never pay a dime. You can archive your big media files at ourmedia.org. They allow you to to archive it for free. You can publish it with a WordPress blog that you can get at wordpress.com. That will allow you to create an RSS feed of your content with enclosures. That will, in other words, with download links for people. You can track it with a feed burner which is a like a statistics measurement tool that you, you can use for free. The only really piece of equipment that you have to buy is a headset with a microphone. And it, it pays to spend $30 and get one with decent sort of earmuffs so that they block out the sound if you're interviewing somebody on the phone. Finally, I want to say that podcasting reminds us what audio can do. A lot of times we writers tend to forget that 
audio is a medium where uh, we have a lot of potential to do things that maybe we don't do so easily in the, in the written word. We forget that audio can be beautiful. Adam Curry, former MTV VJ and host of the Daily Source podcast, says, We've been conditioned by what media is, what broadcast radio certainly is, to expect it to be a certain way. We've forgotten what audio is all about. Audio is beautiful. You can do so many things with it. You can manipulate it in so many fantastic ways, particularly in the digital realm. We have a lot to relearn, actually. And some of the things that come through with audio that may not come through with writing is sort of a sense of passion and enthusiasm about your topic. There's a sense of personality and uh, an authenticity. You can't really lie in a podcast. If you're not very jazzed about a topic, it, it comes through. So you can uh, And you can do a lot more with audio. Now, personally, I've never really felt that I have a, a radio broadcaster personality or voice. I, I prefer to write, and that's why I became a writer. However, I'm, I'm beginning to rediscover that that there is an entire audio world, and I'm, I'm trying to relearn what exactly it is that I can do with my voice that I can't do uh, with words on the, on the keyboard. Finally, I want to touch a bit on the monetary aspect of podcasts, because a lot of people wonder or they ask, how can you make money out of podcasts? And if you listen to podcasts, you'll hear every once in a while an ad that appears in them, but people really don't make a lot of money from ads. You, you may earn a couple bucks from a thousand downloads uh, if you for one ad or something I mean it's ridiculous it's at this point it's really not worth it but you could from an ad model make make a small amount of money really the best way to make money from podcasting according to Jason Van Orden who's a pretty well-known podcaster is to indirectly promote something if you have a product or a service you can really brand yourself favorably with your listeners by presenting yourself as an authority. If you wrote a book, you can talk about the topic and generate interest in that book. Right? If you're a consultant, you can speak about a topic that you really know and convince and persuade others that you're the right person to contact about that topic. Right? You can pretty much get your name out there if you're a nobody. Not that anybody really is a, a quote, nobody, but it, but you can really promote yourself. You can emerge by by just beginning a podcast. And beyond the whole monetary thing, you can use podcasting as a way to learn. If you're interested in a topic, you can find an expert, interview the expert, and and publish it as a podcast. And you benefit because you've just learned a lot and you've benefited the person you interviewed because you established them as somebody who's really worthwhile, who knows a lot about the topic. Van Orden says that through your podcast, you can, quote, brand yourself as an expert and develop a following. Now, I, I know that I don't think I'm really going to develop a following, but if you were a dynamic, charismatic speaker and you had a weekly sort of podcast about a topic they were interested in, you could really emerge as a, as a dominant leader and, and sway that number, that group of subscribers in, into whatever it is that you're uh, topic, talking about. Now, I want to talk a little bit about tech writer voices. This is the name, of course, of the site that, that I've developed. And I really created this site for one main reason. For about nine months, I listened to itconversations.com, which is a podcast about technology in general, uh, founded by Doug Kay. And it's 
one of the greatest podcasts I think out there. Basically, it's recordings of all kinds of technology conferences and, and other speeches that are just made available. And Doug Kay explains a little bit about why he started it. He says, I realize that every day on the planet there are thousands of really valuable events that disappear, that evaporate because nobody is capturing them, nobody is recording them. It could be the greatest speakers of our times, it could be the school board in Kuala Lumpur, but it's important to somebody. I feel like nothing could be more true than that statement for the technical writing community. There are over 150 chapters in the whole world that are STC focused. And every month, just about, in, in a lot of the chapters, we get a, a high-profile speaker to come in, talk about a topic for an hour, and the people who come are maybe 15-20% of the membership of the chapter. When the speaker leaves, the people who are there benefited, and the rest of the chapter and the people just quietly miss out. I think, wow, what if everybody started recording their chapter presenters? That would create an incredible sort of amount of information about technical writing that could be made available to the, the global technical writing community. You could have a, a huge potential to transfer information. Imagine if you could drive to, drive to work and listen to a fascinating chapter presenter maybe in California or, or in England or Israel or, or some country where you, where you maybe would never even get there otherwise. And you could drive to work and find out about something you had no idea about or you could hone your knowledge. That would be a tremendous resource. A and especially if it was all for free. Um, not these webinars that cost money or teleconferences that you pay for. Right? Information that is free that, y that will benefit you in, in your work and in your sort of career, vocation, passion, whatever. So I want to encourage you to start recording your pre your presenters. And a lot of people, maybe three, <laughs> three or four, have asked me exactly how to do that. So I'm going to give you a few different ways. Now, I have to first off say that recording a presenter can be a little bit difficult. The easiest way is to have somebody with an MP3 player bring it in. If you, if you know somebody with an iPod, say, hey, bring your iPod hit record, set it on the podium, and then when the speaker commences, it just records it, stop it when it's done, and you already have an audio file in an MP3 format that is ready to go. You can edit it with Audacity to make it sound pretty, get rid of a lot of the um, fluff or, or a lot of the coughs or whatever, but by and large, if you record it with your MP3 player, it's, it's ready to go. The problem with that is that you get a lot of white noise. And if you listen to the Ian Cost presentation on this site, that was done with my iRiver just on record. And, and it doesn't sound so hot. Another way that you can do it is to buy a digital recorder that has a little jack for a microphone. Most digital recorders do. And buy a lapel microphone that you plug into that digital recorder and then attach both of them to your presenter. So the digital recorder usually may have a clip that you can clip to his or her belt or ask them to put it in their pocket. Then the lapel mic, you pin it on their lapel, their collar, and it records pretty well. Now this works 
especially well if you have a speaker who's walking around the room, who's moving back and forth to a PowerPoint presentation, who's moving towards audience members who are asking questions, who's just more of a dynamic roaming speaker. It wouldn't... Um, the, the first method I described with just dropping the MP3 player on the podium and hitting record doesn't work if the speaker suddenly moves 20 feet away, or even 15 feet, really. And that's the method we use to record the Janet Foley presentation on knowledge management. You can get all that stuff at Radio Shack. It's not too expensive. You can get our digital recorder and a lapel mic for probably 100 bucks total. Another way, if you wanted to get fancy, and, and I haven't tried this because basically I, I don't have a laptop, but if you had a laptop, you could bring it to the meetings. You could get a mixer, a Behringer Euro track mixer or something is what a lot of people recommend. And then plug the mixer into your laptop, get two mics, or at least at least one mic, plug it into the mixer, and that mic could be the one that the speaker speaks into. And if you had another mic, you could you could um, plug it into the mixer as well, and the audience who asks questions can speak into that mic. Now, regardless of your method, one thing I really recommend is that your audience, uh, when they ask questions, have your speaker repeat the question because there's nothing more frustrating than trying to sort of edit the audio where there's a long gap you don't hear anything and then the speaker picks up on, on that question by answering it without telling you what the question was and all of a sudden you have sort of a disjointed presentation now you can you could experiment with other methods I tried wireless microphones but uh, I had them for a week and sounded really nasally and it didn't didn't record well at all and I just took them back I thought well this is a total waste of money but if you can get them to work that would that would be another option I'll, I'll just add this as a disclaimer because I don't want to mislead you and presentations are different than interviews people they're not as neat in terms of the tidy audio you could spend a lot of time trying to clean it up in sort of this post-production editing you could edit out every cough and, and um, ah, and sort of long space like this, you could spend hours, and it's going to burn you out. You're going to think, I'm not going to do this. Who has five hours to spend editing this presentation? And really, honestly, you could probably just interview the person for a half hour before, capture all of their information. They speak right into a mic or your, your MP3 player that's on record and you ask the questions and you can hear it without the person roaming around or wandering off into tangents or the audience asking long convoluted questions and you could probably get a much better presentation if you think it only would take you a half hour to actually edit the thing where or a half hour to actually do the interview rather than three to four hours editing it from from the live presentation well uh, you'll save yourself a lot of time just by interviewing. However, it is an inconvenience to the speaker. You don't get the sense of excitement from the first time delivery and so forth. At any rate, just try recording things. You'll learn, and I'm learning. I've only done it twice. Of course, they're only monthly here, but um, it is something that I think is going to gain more, more momentum as we go along. I think people will begin to recognize that there's a tremendous value that this presenter is going to deliver and we should capture it and record it because if we don't it's going to be lost after that night now once you've recorded your presentation 
the best tool to use to edit the audio is Audacity. Download Audacity from SourceForge. And download the, don't download the beta version, I, I don't recommend it, I had some errors from that. But download the version, it, you'll also be required to download a codec, which is called LAME, L-A-M-E, so that you can export to MP3. It's all on the site, it's not hard. And once you, once you open up your file, and you begin to edit it, you'll see sort of um, something that looks like somebody's heart rate monitor. That's the audio file. And you can delete gaps. If your speaker says, uh, uh, that really shows up loudly on an audio file, you can take that out. You can remove silence. You can clip the ends in the front. You can add a music intro if you want. But you want to save it in the project rate of 44100. And in the lower left corner, you'll see where it says project rate. And that's really essential because when you publish it, if you don't have it at that rate, it will sound like chipmunks. So now when you're ready to publish, the easiest way would be to just upload the file. And it can be anywhere from 10 megs to 100 megs, right? Depending upon how long the speaker carried on. Usually it um, consumes about a meg a minute. So you can upload it to your chapter's web host. That's the easiest. Just send it to your webmaster or ask your webmaster for the FTP information. I use FileZilla as a free FTP application. It allows you to send large sort of files to directories on your web host. Or you can upload it to ourmedia.org. I've never actually tried that, but it's some kind of internet archive project where they accept and, and um, allow you to store your files there. I think you lose the rights to the file, but nevertheless you get free hosting. Um, or you can obviously do your own web host. I really recommend Lunar Pages. They may not advertise that they have large amounts of, of um, bandwidth and, and so forth, but uh, I had a bad experience with a, a web host that, that did brag about having a terabyte of bandwidth and storage, and, and then my web page was taking forever to load, and I realized that they probably were just overloading their servers. At any rate, when you get the audio file uh, on an online location, you can publish it through a WordPress blog. You can go to wordpress.com, sign up for a blog, and then just um, put the link to the, to the file right in your blog post. And people will basically right-click and, and select Save Target As to download it, or more conveniently, they can use a pod-catching application such as Juice, Feed Demon, or iTunes to subscribe to that. Right, I also use FeedBurner to track the stats. It tells you how many people are, are subscribed to it, but more importantly, it allows people to now be subscribed to it using their email. Then when you make a new post, people can receive announcements of that new post to their email. I've noticed a lot of people really don't use RSS, at least in the technical writing community. A lot of people have no idea what it is. RSS just stands for really simple syndication or rich site summary. And what it is is an XML file that different news readers can, can read. They ping it for updates, and if you publish something new, it pulls in the sort of content into your newsreader. What I use is Feed Demon, and this is a really handy application. It cost me $30, so, so it's not totally free, but if you think about the time you'll be spending reading blogs or downloading podcasts, I think it's worth it. 
it's really well organized and it makes things a lot easier. So on my feed daemon, I've subscribed to probably 15 different blogs and about a dozen different podcasts, and it aggregates all of this information into the newsreader, into this application, so that I don't have to visit each site separately. If I had to go and visit 15, 20 different blog sites separately to see if if they had posted new information and to see if there were new podcasts to download, it would take me a long time. But with Feed Demon, it automatically pulls in the new content. It will show me if there's any if there's been any new posts. It will show me if there's any new podcasts. And if there are new podcasts, I can download them directly from Feed Demon. It has a, a counterpart sort of pod catching application called Feed Station. So if you if you do see a new podcast, it's got a little paper clip icon. I click that and it automatically downloads it because the podcast feed has what's called enclosures it's able to deliver the actual media through the feed which is an essential thing so now although I've explained to you that, that you can publish through your own host I really invite people to publish on tech writer voices I want it to be like IT conversations but for technical writers I want people to look at that and say wow I can reach the most number of people by publishing it through this medium. There are about 160 subscribers right now, and that's only going to grow. It's a very uh, recently born sort of site, two weeks, three weeks old, and a lot of people are just coming up to speed on what podcasts are. Um, so I really encourage you to just send me a link to it, and I will I will publish it on, on this site. I'm not making any money from any of this. I'm just trying to streamline the service so that people have a more of a centralized location to look for podcasts. So now, once you've subscribed to to your podcast feeds and you've got the podcasts, you transfer them onto your MP3 player. Right? You you can double click your my computer icon, find your MP3 player that you plugged in, right? Drag them on there, and then you want to listen to them as you're driving to work, right? Especially if you have a long commute. You know, while I'm sitting here talking to you, I'm in Florida and there's a nice green gecko on my window, which is upside down. It always amazes me. I just thought I'd add that little tidbit in because it's kind of transposed right before my car that I'm also staring at. <coughs> my 95 Celica with a broken headlight. So how do you listen to MP3s in your car? There's a little device called a wireless FM radio transmitter or something. It's a gadget they sell at Radio Shack or whatever electronic store you're at. You plug that into your cigarette lighter, and then and then also plug it plug it into your MP3 player, and this device takes over a radio wave, on so that you can then play it on your radio station. So, for example, 88.3 is not a station that really exists around here in Tampa. At any rate, it's not very strong. So I set that to be the station that I want to hear my audio content through. So once I plug it in. Uh, and then plug in my mp3 player to it, it plays over that station. I just tune into that 88.3 on my radio station dial and it, and it plays pretty well. So it's very simple. Um, these, these little gadgets are like 30, 20 to 40, 50 bucks, right? Um, you can get your mp3 player down at Best Buy or Circuit City or Radio Shack, whatever. You can even get them at Target. You, if you buy into the the iPod, you get tons of gadgets and accessories that are also available um, in that sort of iPod family. That's about all I have to say about podcasting today. If you have questions, 
or comments, send them to me at tom at techwritervoices.com. I'd be happy to answer them, or if you have recommendations for how I can make this better, what topics I should cover. People have been requesting DITA, which we're coming to. Uh, Mark Lewis is the DITA expert, and he's got some interesting stuff in the works for that. But if you have requests, if you just want to let me know that you're out there, that you're listening, it would be nice to know that. And um, subscribe to the to the feed on the site in the top right corner, upper right corner. There's an email subscription. Or if you have a newsreader, click the uh, little RSS button. You'll see a bunch of code. Just paste that web address into your newsreader, and you'll subscribe to it. Stay notified of when there are new podcasts. And if you have a tip for somebody who I should interview, or if you want to learn more about interviewing, also send me an email. Who 
comes from the pod show music network and there's a link in the show notes i just have to add one last little tiny bit of information if you're still hanging out i had a baby this weekend well not me of course my wife did but this is our third girl and she's actually sleeping right here on my chest as i'm finishing this podcast and it's been quite an experience so i just wanted to add that in there if you thinking of having kids go for it um they really can make make your life a lot more <coughs> oh i don't know uh <laughs> full 